0: You're listening to episode number 26 of Strike the Match. The 20th century has been referred to as the Age of Migration, and the 21st century continues to see large numbers of peoples moving from countries of birth into other countries across the world. As these people migrate, some of them are followers of Christ, and some of them are coming from some of the world's most unreached people groups. In this episode, I talk about the movement of the nations to the western countries of the world but give specific attention to what's taking place in North America today. So with that in mind, let's... Welcome to Strike the Match with pastor and missiologist Dr. J.B. Bay. Strike the Match is a podcast that addresses matters related to missions, innovation, and leadership. Now here's J.B. Guys, thanks so much for checking out this episode today. As always, I certainly appreciate you listening and I hope that uh, you are doing well. Uh, before I jump into the uh, topic of this episode, I just want to give you guys a heads up on a few matters coming up that may be of interest to you. I'm certainly excited about these. Uh, Lord willing, next week on Strike the Match, uh, we will have Paul Dubinsky on the program. Paul is the director of of innovation for frontier ventures, uh, you may uh, recall from uh, last week's episode, I had a conversation with Dave Datema. He is one of the general directors for Frontier Ventures, and uh, I also had the chance to have a conversation with uh, with Paul. Uh, I wanted to talk, Paul, talk, talk with Paul specifically about matters related to, to innovation and missions today, and that's uh, certainly a passion. Uh, of mine, and so uh, had him uh, to uh, uh, come on to uh, the podcast, and so, Lord willing, uh, I'll be sharing that with you guys next week, and then... um... Probably about two weeks after that, two weeks after that, uh, we'll be sharing with you guys a conversation that I had with uh, Dr. Travis Kearns. Uh, Travis is uh, one of the, I believe, uh, leading uh, evangelicals in the area of understanding uh, Mormonism today. Uh, he serves as uh, a missionary with the North American Mission Board in Salt Lake City, uh, Utah. Uh, Travis has done extensive uh, research uh, in the area of Mormonism. He has been a professor uh, teaching on issues related to Christian worldview and apologetics. He uh, is, like I said, presently living uh, in Utah and is engaged in disciple-making and church-planting activities there. And so we had a had a fascinating conversation uh, for a future episode, and so you will want to make certain that you uh, keep up with uh, what is uh, being put out here on Strike the Magic. I think you will really enjoy uh, hearing from that conversation with Travis as well. So, Lord willing, in uh, next week Paul will be on the program, and then uh, two weeks after that Travis uh, should be uh, on the uh, the program as well. Uh, let's see what else is going on. Well, right now uh, we are approaching Labor Day weekend. And so uh, here in the States, obviously, that means uh, an extra uh, day for uh, time off. And obviously, uh, places across uh, the country are having Labor day sales. And of course, uh, I have to have to chime into that as well. Actually, I'm giving you guys a heads up uh, on my book that just came out uh, that you guys have heard me talk about before, uh, to the Edge: Reflections on Kingdom Leadership, Mission and Innovation. Is uh, that book is actually going to be uh, for Labor Day? Labor Day sale. It's going to be thirty five percent off. However, you have to get a coupon code uh, in order to take advantage of that discount through CreateSpace. Uh, it. It's, uh, to my knowledge, that will be the cheapest that you can find the book anywhere right now in uh, its hardback uh, or paperback uh, version, um, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, regardless. Uh, and so, uh, Lord willing, this Monday, it will be 35% off. And so, stay, stay in touch with me uh, through Twitter or, or check out the blog jdpain.org, and uh, you'll find the coupon code there uh, for this. Coming Monday, Labor Day, September 1st, 2015. Uh, so if you are listening to that, uh, this recording sometime uh, after that, there's a good chance that that coupon will have expired. Uh, if you are uh, in the States, particularly uh, around the Midwest, at the end of December, December uh, the 27th through the 31st. December 27th through the 31st in St. Louis, Missouri, is the large student missions gathering known as Urbana. Uh, I plan to be there and uh, plan to be speaking uh, on the topic of unreached people groups in North America and church planting today. And so uh, if you're not uh, participating in Urbana, uh, in uh, December of this year, I would encourage you to uh, to register and be a part of of that event. You can go online, check out their website, Urbana. I think it's urbana.org, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, the uh, event will be December the 27th through the 31st, 2015. And uh, if you show up, hey, track me down. Say hello. Say that uh, you are a listener. I always enjoy having a chance to meet people that I've been listening to. To strike the match, and so um, it's always even better to meet them. Uh, you know, if they don't have knives in their hands and you know rotten tomatoes that they're throwing at me. So yeah, if you're at Urbana the end of uh, this December, come by and and say hello. would Love to talk to you, and uh, maybe I'll I'll uh, uh, have you in a, in a session where I'm speaking. Uh, that kind of brings me to the topic of uh, the episode today. The issue of, of unreached people groups, North America, and church planting, and so uh, you guys have heard me uh, on Strike the Match uh, make reference to unreached people groups in the West, unreached people groups in North America. I uh, did uh, did an episode uh, with um, with with a representative from Global Gates out of New York uh, talking about reaching unreached people groups in the United States, uh, but I, I've I've never done a podcast exclusively on what I'm speaking about today. Uh, I've, I've done conferences on this, but but I've never never done a podcast episode on Strike the Match related to this topic as, as I'm speaking on it today, and so I uh, felt like it would be, be a, an appropriate time to to go ahead and share this information with you. So let's just go ahead and jump in and um, kind of go from there. Um, the, the present... And these numbers are always shifting, but but uh, but an idea of kind of what's going on in the world today, uh, the present number, present reality, is that about three percent of the world's population—that's that's about two hundred thirty-two million people—about three percent of the world's population presently live outside. Uh, of uh, the individual's countries of birth. So we're looking at about 3% of the people on the move, if you will. Uh, if that number was actually a country, a single country, that would be the fifth largest country in the world. As I mentioned in the intro, uh, the 20th century has been referred to as the age of migration. Uh, there's an excellent uh, book written by some, uh, from a sociological perspective, uh, titled that. The age of migration, uh, the, the size, the waves, the numbers of people that are living, moving um, outside of their countries of birth uh, in the 20th century was massive, and the numbers continue to be massive in in the 21st century. You know, as followers of Christ, uh, I, we we need to to think rightly about this reality in our world. And there are different angles that we can can approach uh, this particular issue of international migration from. Uh, I'm going to specifically approach it from a perspective that really comes out of Acts chapter 17, verses 26 and verse 27. So when we begin to 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 look at what the scriptures have to say has to say about migration, I mean, there's a there's a lot of information. On migration in the Bible. Uh, in fact, I, I write about this in in my book *Strangers Next Door*, but I don't have time to to unpack all of that in this episode. So I want to take us to Mars Hill. I want us to go to to Paul's encounter with the with the Athenians, with the Epicureans, with the Stoic philosophers there uh, at Mars Hill in Athens uh, on on that missionary journey. Uh, in in that message that he begins to speak to. Those people, he, you know, he begins that to the unknown, you know, you know, talking about to the unknown God, and moves moves in the direction of Christ and the resurrection. But but couched in that message, there are really two verses that I think are really important for us in in having having a right perspective on the movement of the nations and and really our response as followers of Christ. That that's really not even the main point of the of the sermon. Uh, it's just kind of this side note that's there, but, but has incredible incredible um, uh, impact on, on shaping our thoughts related to where we are in the 21st century. And, and I'll share these two verses with you from Acts chapter 17, verses 26 and 27. Paul makes this statement. Um, he says, and he, talking about God, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. That they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward Him and find Him, yet He is actually not far from each one of us. Now, when we begin to look at these two passages of Scripture in this message, uh, we've got to recognize that obviously the purpose of of Luke recording these two verses was not to teach us about migration. Uh, However, these two verses do reveal to us uh, basically. What we see within within the heart of God, and and really the, the a practical result that comes out of out of that uh, matter when it comes to us as as His body of Christ, and and so how does this passage begin? Well, Paul sets it up and, and says, you know, God created from obviously Adam from Adam and Eve, everyone, all peoples on on the face of the earth, every nation of mankind, and and not only is he is he sovereign and is he Lord over over their creation over their existence. But he goes on to say that, that that God is sovereign over the histories of the peoples of the world, and he's also sovereign over their habitations or where they will live, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. In other words, God is sovereign over their creation, their their origin, their beginning, but he's also sovereign over when they will live, when they will move, when they will have their being in him. Um when they will exist, when they will function on the planet, and, and also where, where they will live, where they will move, where they will have their existence. And, and so we, we, we capture that in, in, in this, this text in verse 26, but then the practical reality really begins to unfold in, in verse 27 when we think about what it means to be on mission with God. And, and Paul reveals why God did all of this. And he basically says that he did all of this, in verse 27, that they should seek him, that they should seek God, and perhaps fill their way toward him and find him, yet he is actually not far from each one of us. So, so if, if God has done this in, in his sovereignty, he's over creation, he's over people's histories, he's over their habitations, and he did it so that they might come to know him, then we as his followers need to begin to ask the question. All right, so, so what happens when in our day and time in which we're living and moving and having our existence, we wake up one morning and we find out that some of the world's most unreached people groups have moved into our communities, have moved into our neighborhoods. How should we now live? How should we now live in light of this if we recognize that God is really the divine maestro orchestrating the movement of the nations, that they may come to know him? and moving them into communities where there are people who are his followers who have the gospel and can easily walk across the street and share it with them. So we see this throughout the scriptures, and and it needs to shape our thinking. It needs to shape the way we look at the world around us and and understand, first and foremost, uh, this needs to permeate and understand our thinking about international migration, So, with that in mind, let me just kind of share with you a brief story, and I talk about this story in in Strangers Next Door, but I'll just just briefly touch on it, to give you an idea of the potential, the potential of reaching uh, the unreached people groups across the world by reaching the unreached people groups that move into our neighborhoods, move into our communities. So, go with me to Maryland, Baltimore, Maryland. A a Korean couple, Samuel and Young Cho, uh, are there. They're in a restaurant. Their their server who comes to them is, is from Nepal. To make a long story short, they end up sharing the gospel with her, and she eventually comes to faith in Christ. Well, it's kind of a Lydia experience that we read about in Acts 16. Not only does she come to faith in Christ, but her household also comes to faith in Christ. And they plant a Nepali church in Baltimore, Maryland. And so they're beginning to teach these new believers what it means to, to be a disciple, what it means to be a local church. And they obviously, because you're teaching the Word, uh, they see in the Word the need to make disciples of all nations. And immediately they begin to think about family and friends and acquaintances back in their country of birth, back in Nepal. And so they ask the question, can we, can we organize a trip? Can we go back and can we tell family and friends about Christ? So they organize this short-term mission trip, if you will. And on this first short-term mission trip, they end up seeing, through through the connections, through the social connections made from people living in Baltimore, who used to live in Nepal, they end up seeing 200 people make a profession of faith in Christ and a church planted in Nepal. The church later, sometime after that, organizes a second trip. They return. This time they go into Nepal, and this time they go into India. And on this trip, they go back, and they see two more churches planted, And out of those two churches that are planted, they see 300 Nepalese make a profession of faith in Christ, 300 Bhutanese make a profession of faith in Christ, and 35 South Asian Indians make a profession of faith in Christ. And it all came about through the witness of this couple in Maryland to an unreached people group who moves to Maryland, and one of those members of that people group happens to be their server. So we see these things that are taking place in the world. Can we, can we understand the potential that these social connections that continue on as, as people migrate, do we see the potential for the, for the gospel to travel across these bridges, these connections that God keeps together as people move? When we begin to look at countries across the world and look at the number of international migrants, these numbers are from 2013. But the United States, for, for many, many years, has been the largest immigrant receiving nation in the world by far. We receive about 20% of the international population that's on the move so to speak. Uh, to come in number 2, you have to receive only about 6% and that's the Russian Federation. So the distance between first place and second place on that list is massive. So in 2013, uh, the estimated number of international migrants in the United States was almost 46 million people. So countries with the largest numbers of international migrants 2013 listen to this United States Russian Federation Germany Saudi Arabia the UAE United Kingdom France Canada Australia and Spain so just in that list did you did you hear the number of countries that we would traditionally recognize as western countries countries where there is a freedom to be able to walk across the street a freedom to publicly share your faith with other people and and the lord is migrating moving people across the world into these places into the Western world right now and I know that the, that you know the numbers change but right now the estimation of, of, of global people groups in the world and these numbers are coming from from global research department with the international Mission Board but right now we're looking at about 11,000. People groups living in the world uh, of the unreached people group population, we're looking at about six thousand eight hundred unreached people groups in the world, uh, and and then about three uh, thousand. I think it may be a little bit less now, but about about three thousand people groups in the world are considered unengaged, unreached, meaning that that not only are they unreached, but no, there's no evangelical church planning strategy that's actually being applied to that particular people group, and that's three thousand of those of those that are out there. Um, what do we mean when we talk about unreached? Well, there are at least a couple ways to define it. Uh, the one that I uh, use, the one that many missiologists also use out of the two different ways to understand unreached is that a people group is, is, is less than 2% evangelical, less than 2% uh, evangelical would be, would be that definition. Let me give you guys some of the countries in the world with the largest numbers of unreached people groups. You want to hear this. You, you've you got to listen to this and allow this to, to grab you, particularly for those of you that are listening uh, that are living in the United States or Canada. So my estimation uh, when I wrote Strangers Next Door my estimation uh, was that uh, there were about 1,200 about 1,200 unreached people groups living in what we would traditionally refer to as the Western countries of the world. So much of Western Europe, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, the United States uh, would, would would fall into into those categories, and. And so out of that, uh, how does that kind of break down? Well, well, India comes in, obviously it's not a Western country, but, but when we look at the countries with the largest numbers of unreached people groups, so countries with the largest numbers of unreached people groups in the whole world, not just Western world, but in the whole world, uh, India comes in at number one. So India comes in at number one with, with about 941 unreached people groups. China comes in at number two as the country with the second largest number of unreached people groups. And, and, and that number at the time, uh, when I was putting this information together, uh, was uh, at about 368. So India and China number one and number two. So here's what is gripping, here's what is shocking for those of us that live in North America. The third, the country with the third largest number, the country with the third largest number of unreached people groups is the United States at an estimated 361. I was speaking to a missiologist one time uh, who is doing research uh, on people groups across the world, and he told me uh, that he would not be surprised he would not be surprised that once we begin to get an understanding of the unreached people groups living in the U.S., and and, and the research on the U.S. and Canada has, has been very poor, very poor. We have better information on an unreached people group living on the backside of the Himalaya Mountains or somewhere in an Amazonian rainforest than we do on those same people groups, those very same people groups that are living in Birmingham, Alabama, where I am sitting right now. But this guy was telling me, that he believed that once we get a full grasp on exactly who is living in the United States, he said he wouldn't be surprised if that number hit 1,000. So right now, the estimation is about 360 unreached people groups living in the United States. If it hit 1,000, that would put the number of unreached people groups for the United States uh, in in a category, it would cause the United States to become in a category that exceeds both China and India. And so you would see the United States jump to the top of the list for being the country with the largest number of unreached people groups in the world. Right now we're at number three. Who's number four on that list? Brazil comes in at number four and Canada. Canada comes in at number five. So what we're looking at is that the United States and Canada, North American countries, United States and Canada come in at number three and number five on the list for countries with the largest number of unreached people groups. What is the size of the evangelical presence in the United States and Canada? Uh, How much freedom do we have to connect with the unreached peoples that are living next door to us, the strangers next door, if you will? I mean, there are many, many opportunities. Uh, Just one example, one example of opportunities, when we specifically think about the United States, is, is, is the issue of international students. I mean, when you begin to look at, like, the top places of origin of international students in the United States, what do you see? This this is from the, the, the academic year, college students' academic year of 2013-2014. Uh, so in the academic year 2013-2014, the country with the largest number of international students in the United States, by the way, the United, United States at that time had uh, about uh, 886,000 international students. So who comes in at number one as the top sending country to the United States for their students? China. China comes in at number one at 274,000. Who comes in at number two? India at 103,000. Who comes in at number three? South Korea at 68,000. Number four on the list, Saudi Arabia at 54,000. So just in the top four, I won't even go on down through the rest of this list here, but just in the top four, China, India, South Korea, Saudi Arabia, are in those categories. I mean, you begin to look on, on, on our, our maps, on our research that we've done on places like Saudi Arabia. Let's just kind of take it in reverse. Saudi Arabia. I mean, you're looking at an enormous amount of unreached people groups living in that country. Uh, you begin to look at South Korea. Now we know we think about South Koreans having a large evangelical percentage. And 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 they do have a sizable number, and they are sending a lot of missionaries. But the reality is, for the country as a whole, uh, there you know the overwhelming, overwhelming majority... By far, uh, are not are not followers followers of Christ. India, China. I just said a moment ago. India and China are the two top countries in the world for the most unreached people groups, and and they're the ones that are the sending the most international students to the United States. Uh, you know, opportunities are all around us. A friend of mine, uh, member of the Church of Brook Hills, uh, he shared with me a story one time, speaking of, of Saudi students. He shared a story with me one time of how he met uh, some Saudi students at a Starbucks here in Birmingham, Alabama, here in the Deep South. And he developed this relationship with these guys. He began sharing the gospel with them. They talked about Islam. He talked about his faith in Christ. He challenged them to place their faith in Christ. They would drink coffee and tea at Starbucks, and then when Starbucks closed, they would go outside and sit. They played soccer together. They hung out together. One of the guys finally told him. He said, "Hey, if um, if Jesus is really the way and the truth, then I want to follow him." And, and and Gary, my my friend, he said to him, he said, "Do you understand what that would potentially mean for you once you return to your country? Because obviously, it's you know it's, punish- it's punishable by death conversion in Saudi Arabia." And and this student said to him, he said, "If Jesus is really the way and he's really he's really the truth, then I'm willing to die for him." This particular student ended up inviting my friend. Uh, he said, "Would you would you come with me and would you stay with me, uh, maybe for a week or two in a summer in the summer sometime, at my home in Saudi Arabia?" I mean, look at that opportunity! Amazing opportunity to be able to to not only reach people, minister to them here, but to be invited as an insider, as an insider who knows that you're a follower of Christ and they completely disagree with you. To, in, to invite you as an insider into their home, into their context, I mean, it gives, it, it gives a, a, a new dimension to the possibility of short-term missions and long-term missions based on what we're doing here, based on what we're doing in a Western context that can be a part of seeing the gospel open up doors or doors open up for the gospel in other parts of the world. Not only international students, but, you know, we, we read on the news all the time here on the news about refugees Refugees moving to to places all over the world. You know, the United States, for example, in 2014, uh, the countries of nationality. So largest countries of nationality uh, that were sending people to the states that came and uh, actually um, became refugees. Uh, Iraq comes in at number one back in 2014 at almost 20 million. Burma, number two, at 15 million. Somalia. At, oh, excuse me, forgive me. I, I, was, I was saying million, thousand. Excuse me, let me start over. So, in 2014, refugees arriving to the United States, Iraq, uh, almost 20,000, 20,000 Iraqis. Uh, Burma, at 15,000. Uh, 9,000 Somalis. Uh, 8,000 people from Bataan. And, and the list, list goes on. Again, people's, uh, those countries, those nationalities, many of those, uh, the people coming out of those countries. Are not followers of Christ. They're representatives of unreached people groups. So, guys, let me let me just share with you some some practical guidelines. Uh, some guidelines that I think are helpful when we think about reaching the strangers next door, the people that are next door to us. And and it is so important that we recognize that we have to be intentional about this type of ministry. Just like ministry in general, we have to be intentional about this. There is, there is something, there's something wrong. There's something what I would refer to as, as missionally malignant. If we're willing to, to sacrifice the Lord's time and money and energy and effort, and we're willing to get onto a plane and, and fly at 35,000 feet over the Pacific Ocean and land in some other country in the world and try to figure out how to engage and reach an unreached people group, when halfway across the Pacific Ocean flying at 35,000 feet a plane passes us on the way to the United States or to Canada or to some other Western country for example and on that plane is someone that is a representative of that unreached people group that we're trying to reach and they land in our city and they move into our neighborhood and we're not willing to walk across the street connect with them and minister to them. There's something missionally malignant about that. There's something wrong, fundamentally wrong, on a multitude of levels, if, if that is indeed the case. And so, please hear me. If you've ever heard me speak before, you, you, you always hear me say this. The greatest needs, by far, the greatest needs for gospel proclamation and church multiplication are outside of the West. They're in majority world context, by far, by far. We should give strategic priority to that. Be be more generous in our resources to that. Be sending more people, seeing more people go into majority world context. But again, there's something there's something wrong when when we're we're willing to to go to that effort and not willing to walk across the room in Starbucks and have a cup of coffee with some guys from Saudi, or connect with someone from Nepal that's in the restaurant with us. So let me give you guys some guidelines for reaching the strangers next door. First of all, guideline number one, pray, pray, pray. Uh, Guys, we have got to saturate this like everything else we do in prayer, praying for God's guidance, praying for the Holy Spirit to open up opportunities, praying for boldness, praying for intentionality, multitude of things we can pray for. But pray, pray, pray. If we're not intentional about this, it will not happen. We need to learn as we go. We've got to be learners. We, we've got to be be like a sponge, absorbing and, and just learning as we go how to effectively communicate, how to effectively connect with people, how to effectively love and, and, and minister to them in a cross-cultural context in, in our country of birth. Be learners as we go. Number four, fourth guideline, we've got to expect to make mistakes. We're going to make mistakes. And the reality is, the people that we're connecting with, they know we're going to make mistakes as we connect with them. But you know, <laughs> you're, we're a bunch of dumb Americans. Those dumb Americans, they just, you know and, and so on and so forth. I mean, here I live in Birmingham, Alabama, uh, heart of Barbecue USA. Sorry for you guys that are in St. Louis or Texas or North Carolina, uh, Birmingham, number one barbecue. I know I just lost you in my podcast episodes, but that's okay. I uh, speak the truth. <laughs> so, barbecue, I love pulled pork sandwiches. You know what? In my desire to be hospitable to my Muslim neighbor, um, you know, there's a good possibility I'm going to invite him over to a nice uh, barbecue pork uh, uh, event. You know, we, we're we going to make mistakes. We're going to make mistakes. And, and people... Are generally understanding. It doesn't mean that we try to make mistakes. It doesn't mean that we we intentionally make mistakes. But we need to understand the people. We need to understand their culture. We need to we need to grow in, in, in knowing who they are and knowing that no, I do not need to be having them over for pork, even though that's a great Southern hospitality uh, type of, of environment and dish. Let's not do that. But we're going to make mistakes, and they understand that. Uh, let let your love, let your love, and let your light shine through, and all that. Another guideline, keep things simple. Keep things simple and highly reproducible in our disciple-making activities, in our church-planting activities. I talk about this. Uh, you guys have heard me talk about this before. you read about it on my blog and my books. So I'll just leave it at that. Uh, next thing is that we need to avoid paternalism. In other words, we've, we've got to recognize that we're not looking at these people, particularly after they come to faith, That we've got all the answers, but we're really trying to teach them how to rely on the Holy Spirit upon the Word of God and one another uh, to, to make decisions based on their understanding of their culture and their context and their people. Another, another guideline is to work the bridges of God. I would mentioned this at the top of this podcast, but work the bridges of God. In other words, work through those social relationships, those connections that God has established in His sovereignty to reach across the continent, to reach across uh, the world, uh, into other communities, to see the gospel spread, to, to not only reach the people that are here, but to equip them, to partner with them, and to see them sent, and even go with them into places in the world to see the disciples made, to see churches multiplied. Another guideline is, is that we need to prioritize by receptivity. Now, this doesn't mean that we with, withhold the gospel from anyone, but it does mean that if we have someone who is asking the Philippian jailer question, what must I do to be, be saved, and someone who's saying, I don't ever want to hear from you on this topic again, well, God-given wisdom and God-given stewardship says go to that Philippian jailer unless... For example, the Holy Spirit is saying, no, go to the one who says, I never want to hear from you again. But generally, the wisdom that God gives us is, is to move with those that, that are wanting to hear more, wanting to understand more about who this Jesus is. We've got to understand another guideline, understand cultural and generational differences. Different generations uh, are going to respond differently uh, than than other generations. So second, third generation, they're going to be different than first generation. There are cultural differences with different generations. Next contextualize our methods. The issue of contextualization is just as a real of an issue in the West, in the United States, in Canada, as it is when we're in Asia, when we're in parts of Africa. Contextualization is still critical. And then finally, practice evangelism that results in new churches. Remember, guys, we are not uh, planning churches uh, by by shuffling the sheep around in the kingdom and seeing the, the saints moved around. Uh, we're, we're talking about an apostolic type of work among unreached people groups. And so we want to see disciples birthed uh, out of the harvest. We want to see churches planted out of the harvest, which means that we're wanting to see people come to faith through our proclamation of the gospel. And, and as we share that with them, they repent and place faith in Christ. Guys, I hope that this podcast has been a helpful resource to you on a very, very important topic today. And the opportunities that are set before us are are incredible. I hope, I pray that we would be faithful with these opportunities in light of what the divine maestro has been doing. Guys, thanks so much for checking out this podcast. I hope you listen again in the future. You have been listening to Strike the Match with J.D. Payne. You can find J.D. on Facebook or follow him on Twitter at J.D. underscore Payne. And if you'd like to check out more books, posts, and podcast episodes, visit jdpain.org. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And we'd be honored if you would consider rating us or leaving comments. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope you'll join us next time.